Hello and welcome back to the On the Bar podcast. I'm Chrissy White, here with my um, series called Characters of the KCBA. I was so excited today that I got to sit down with Carolyn Jansons of Drendel and Jansons Law Firm. Um, she is a past president of the KCBA, sworn in before the Supreme Court, and we talked a little bit about that and our love of the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and what it means to be a woman in this profession and specifically in this county, Kane County. Um, we talked about the collegiality of, of what we do and how we try to practice. And um, I learned quite a bit just from this one conversation that I'm really excited to share with you all. So without further ado, here's my interview with Carolyn Jansons. So I'm here with Carolyn Jansons, a member of our KCBA. How are you, Carolyn? I am doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for joining us to talk about your favorite characters in law. And we're going to talk about some some non-fictional ones today, which is really exciting. Um, but before we get into it, tell me about your week. How's it been? Give us the highlights, the movie montage, and you have to add a song that's oh, been gosh. playing as you've been going through your week. Okay. So... I, I think I've had the busiest court schedule in the last week that I've had in at least over probably three years now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but I think I went to court more in the last week than most of last year combined in person. So I had, I think, over the last two weeks, I had six days, seven days scheduled for trial, two Whoa. of which overlapped with each other. I had two trials scheduled on the same day. So I was just hoping things were going to get better and, you know, things were going to go away. So yeah. it's been ridiculously crazy. It was like a, a crazy rat race, you know, and it's, it was in one door and out another and grabbing sandwiches. And, you know, it was like, I, I can't even imagine what the movie would look like. It would be full of takeout wrappers and <laughs> shoes in the yeah. car because I'm like, I don't even know where my shoes are, you know, things like that. It was oh, crazy. Yeah. Lots of blazers, lots of different wardrobe changes. Right, <laughs> right. And and all of the pants I had to wear last week. You know, when yeah. I'm at home, it's I crazy. can wear my shorts or my sweats and I had to put on the full suit. Oh, yeah, real outdoor long. human pants. All it's week hard. long. And shoes. <laughs> yeah. That was crazy. Oh, my gosh. And any any idea of a good song? Because, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, money, 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 but maybe maybe uh. something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope it turns into money, money, money. That'll be the hope. But, no, I was I was thinking about the, uh, the Chumbawamba song. You know, I get knocked down. But I get up again. Yes. Like I just never, kept, never going to get you down. No, no. What, no matter what happened, it was like a, I didn't have time to stay down, so I had to jump mm -hmm. back up and run to the next thing. So it was which crazy. is good. Then you can't dwell on things, right? I guess that's true. Sometimes, I mean, but it's hard. It's so hard to kind of uh, compartmentalize. I don't know about you, but I, I find sometimes with that back to back, you you have to really switch your focus fast. Right, and I find that being like on trial, especially. You have to be on the whole time. Mm -hmm. So it's exhausting, even though you're not physically doing anything other than maybe standing. A lot of times we're sitting, so it doesn't seem like it would be that exhausting. But it's it's mentally exhausting because yeah. you're, you're on, you're focused, you're you know, trying to, to analyze what's being given to you and what your next move is. And, and so it's just very, it's consuming. Yes, that's yeah. a good word for it. It is consuming. Yeah. And it's, it is time and energy consuming, but... Um, such as the nature of the work that we do. So, mm -hmm. you know, you 
primarily focus on family law, correct? Yes. And yeah. and then um, do you practice any other areas? So we represent two municipalities, and somehow in the municipalities, I'm responsible for the police departments and elections. Oh, wow. Those two things do not go together in really any way, shape, or form, but mm-hmm. I've always handled um, most of the police department matters, and uh, my partner, Roman, backs me up and on um, most of the police department stuff. Like, he handles all the like open meetings act stuff Mm -hmm. and i handle the communications regarding uh, the traffic court prosecutions and we prosecute for those two municipalities myself roman and ed and so we have eight court dates a month for that so it's kind of nice to wear a different hat it's a completely different hat absolutely because it's not i mean you're on the prosecuting side which is kind of rare for the private uh, you know, it's not like mm-hmm. you're in, with the state's attorney, so you're, but you are prosecuting these traffic violations, right? Right, and so, it's it's really uh, civil in nature because they're mm-hmm. ordinance violations, but it it follows the same flow as it would if it was the state bringing the case versus the municipality. It's the exact same thing. Um, it's just that we're limited. Like for instance, even on a class A misdemeanor, we're limited to a fine only. We can't seek jail time for mm. driving on a suspended license or something of that nature. We would have to amend that to a state charge if the intention was to seek any sort of jail time. So, yeah. And then inevitably, because of the local municipal elections, a lot of these municipalities, the clerks are, you know, part time. And they don't know all the rules, especially if they get a new one. And so I'm mm-hmm. kind of going through, okay, this is how you're going to set up your lottery for the, you know, when you get all your different um, nominating papers in. And this is what needs to have. I created checklists for them so they can check it off to make sure they have everything from a candidate and that they're supposed to have and give a signed copy of that checklist back to the candidate so the can- candidate knows that they had everything. So it's always interesting. Yeah, it is. And I mean, that's that's something I actually I didn't know about you, but I, I do know you from family law mm-hmm. and, and from uh, the KCBA. Um, and it sounds to me like you've got some interest in, in government and governance. And mm-hmm. um, it kind of leads me to talk about one of the people that you brought up as one of the characters that you admire. And that would be the real life nonfiction character. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG. Right, sometimes larger than life, despite her stature. <laughs> yes, yeah. So um, tell me about your um, kind of, your view on her, and what, what, what does she mean to you? So, you know, obviously I think that um, I have, you know, a shared view with most people as seeing her as a pioneer for women and mm-hmm. women's rights and women in the law, if, if nothing else. You know, just the, a trailblazer of, of, you know, just the kind that we don't often see. Um, mm-hmm. So I was, I was very excited. So I got an opportunity to meet her back in 2019. Oh, wow. Um, so the Bar Association has on multiple occasions sponsored trips to Washington, D.C. to have uh, you and your colleagues sworn in in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. And it's primarily ceremonial. You can actually do it by mail. But who would yeah. want to do that, right? That right. You should like go fun. if you're going to do it. You That's go cool there. Thing. You get to sit in the Supreme Court building mm-hmm. in the chambers with the judges, uh, all of the justices, and they read your name into the register. And so it's preserved forever. So it's really cool. Yeah. So I went in 2006 and I did that. And then the opportunity came up. The Bar Association was going back in 2019. And I was the Bar Association president, I think, 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. But this was after my term had ended. Um, and uh, Alice was right behind me, and she was unable to go. Oh, okay. And so 
they asked me if I wanted to go, and I was like, yeah, I want to go. So we went back, took the whole family. My kids were born at that point, so yeah. they hadn't been born in 2006, but they are now you know, old enough. They went with, went with us, um, took the whole family and went, and we had sent out a notice asking for any of the justices to meet with our group, mm-hmm. and most of them didn't respond at all. Several declined, including Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We got a, um, a letter back saying that her her schedule is very busy, and if she could find time, she will, but not to count on it, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we were getting our picture taken by the Supreme Court photographer, and he made a comment out loud that we were 15 women and two men. Oh, yeah. In our group, which I hadn't even really paid attention to the fact that we were almost all women. Um and within a half an hour, he left after he took our picture. Within, within a half an hour, someone else from uh, the Supreme Court clerk's office came back and said that uh, we all needed to make sure we came straight back to our room after the ceremony because Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg, was going to come down and meet with us. So oh right gosh. before we go in, we find out that afterwards she's going to come and talk to us. So we uh-huh. were all just super thrilled. I mean, I think, you know, even setting your politics aside, I don't think there's a single person that could say that they wouldn't have been excited with mm-hmm. an opportunity to meet any Supreme Court justice, yeah. and especially her. So she did. She came down, and she spent maybe 10 minutes with our group, Asked some, we allowed us to ask her questions. Um, she talked to my children. My children were the only children oh, there. Oh, my gosh. She talked to my children. My son mm-hmm. had a whole conversation with her about reasonable doubt. Wow. Because they had done a... A mock trial in his. He was in, I don't know, sixth grade. I was going to ask what grade, but time. my goodness, that's a, a smart kid to know to talk grade. about that. I would have been so nervous. My son's never nervous. <laughs> my daughter wouldn't have said a word, but my son, he's he's never nervous ever. Well, that's that's awesome so. because that's something, especially as a young boy, to talk to you know, RBG. I just think that's that's great. I think young men need to learn from from great women too. You know, yeah, I think it's important. I think as a freshman, now he looks back on it, and especially since she passed away and he heard about all that. I think he actually understands a little bit more now how special that was yeah. than he did at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time it was like, I, I'm like, you're going to, one of these days you're going to look back on this and go, that was a pretty incredible experience. Yeah. So my son was, my daughter was trying to sneak pictures mm. with my husband's um, GoPro. And she's like reaching out around the uh, Secret Service agent that was oh, standing there. And he just looked down at her and shook his head at her. And she pulled him back. <laughs> <laughs> Got her attention. Oh my gosh. That um, was funny. That is really crazy. And, but you know, that, I think uh, Justice Ginsburg, you know, there's some really good quotes. And when you're talking about a group of, uh, you know, 15, um, majority being women, and I would say, you know, it kind of reminds me of once when she said, you know, when is when is it that we're going to see true equality uh, on the Supreme Court? You know, how many women will it, will it take? And he said, mm-hmm. she said, when there are nine, you know, when she, she really was advocating for equality and that, you know, we've had plenty of times when they're, uh, a, a whole history of of all men in these positions, all white men, all you know. Mm-hmm. It's been, um, I think, eye opening uh, to see her legacy and to see that we are now we have more women on the Supreme Court again. Politics aside, it's always good to see that we can both genders can achieve that kind of um, you know that kind kind of a career endeavor and and to get to that pinnacle of of the law really. Mm-hmm. Um, and to know that you'll be recognized for your your skill and your mm-hmm. intelligence, regardless of your gender. That should yeah. not be an impediment for anyone. 
Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, you know, where we hope to get to. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe personally speaking, I guess, or, or this question is kind of personal, but have you, what kind of um, challenges have you faced as, as a woman in this career? So, you know, I, I don't think I've had too many. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of women who came before me that I have to thank for that. Yeah. Um, some, of I've, some of whom I've actually known um, mm-hmm. and others the who, you know, countless women who I've never met. So one of the things that always struck me, so I was the president, like I said, the Bar Association in 1819, I believe. <laughs> I lose track of the years, but I think it was 1819. And um, I was only the sixth female president. Oh, wow. And it was a long, I mean, it's been around for how many years? I mean, is it, I don't even know when it started, when the case I can't started, remember. I used to know that, but I yeah. forgot. Um, but it's, it's, it was a long time. And I was only the sixth female president. Wow. And the, of, the five, of the six women who came before, or the five women who came before me, I knew all of them, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. And then after me, you immediately had Alice and then Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And then I think Lee was supposed to be behind her, and then she, oh, sorry, she ended up leaving. Um, but there were, like, three in a row women, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think Mike was in there, and then Emily. Mm-hmm. So I can't remember which order it was in. But so then we've had, like, in the last five years or six years, there's been more women than men. Yeah. So it was really kind of this surprisingly odd, you know, shift where there were only five before me. And the five before me were Susan Tatnall, Susan Rogaliner. Mm-hmm. Lisa Newley, mm-hmm. Julie Sabolskis, and Diana Law. Oh, wow. And I started my career with Susan Tatnall. She was the um, one of the partners in my firm with, with Gib Drendel, and they were partners for 18 years. And I started my career with her as one of the partners in my firm, learning from both her and Gib. So, yeah. And knowing that she was really a pioneer in her time, because she was the first president back in, like, I want to say it was the mid to late 80s. Yeah. And and we know, I mean, that it was harder for women then. We know we we there were different expectations, different biases against uh women in these more leadership roles, more mm-hmm. senior roles in firms and mm-hmm. um we're still, you know, I think dealing sometimes with those more implicit biases that that come up when people don't realize what uh they may how they may view things and and people don't always realize when they're holding on to more of an antiquated view on things but we've come a long way i would say and i i hopefully we're trending in the right direction and i I hate to say but i do think it gets better as you get older too Mm because i remember when i first started out and i was 25 years old and some of the you know maybe older male attorneys kind of tended to treat me like their unruly teenage daughter Mm. as if i needed to be corrected Uh, yeah you know but now at you know I won't say how old I am, <laughs> substantially older than 25, you know, um, I think they see me a little differently. And I do think that, you know, the, the men that I'm dealing with now are more colleagues and more contemporary yeah. than at the, when I first started out where I was dealing with these men that had been in practice for a substantial period of time. And not only am I new, I'm young and I'm female. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, being underestimated was a, a definite you know, thing that was just good. It wasn't a matter of if, it was when you're going to be underestimated. Yeah. And I learned to enjoy being underestimated. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because I Go mean, ahead. you underestimate seem, me. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, I know from experience that you're very confident and that you work very hard. Um, what do you think? Have you, do you, can you kind of pinpoint a moment when you feel like a light 
switch went off and you, you felt more confident or did it kind of gradually grow over time? And how did you get here? I think those things grow over time, but I feel like I got where I am today just by having the leadership around me and the mentors around me that I did. So I mentioned uh, Gib Drendel, who was mm-hmm. the most senior partner of my firm. He's retired now. He's still of counsel with our firm, but he's retired now. And he's my partner, Kevin's father. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, is, uh, he at the, during his practice years, probably one of the foremost experts in divorce taxation. Oh, wow. Which is not my strong suit, by Neither the way. Neither is mine. But it was his. And mm-hmm. he was the go-to guy for seminar speaking and you know, if you needed articles written, like, that's what he did. Wow. And he spent a lot of time doing that. But what I learned, the things I learned from him, though, uh, some of which I like to follow and others I try to, and I'm not very good at it, but he was wonderful about, he never raised his voice. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to. Yeah. He was able to make his points be persuasive without ever raising his voice. That's not me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have a tendency to be a bit anim- animated and excitable. But but I learned that sometimes your best, um, sometimes the best thing you can do is diffuse the situation yeah. by bringing everything down and not letting it ratchet up. So I try to keep that in mind sometimes, and, yeah. I, and I try to work with that. But he was, um, like I said, I'm saying was because he doesn't practice anymore, but just an extremely big influence on on my career and and also the type of firm that they were running then that we continue to run now, which is a family-oriented firm between the, the partners and associates in our firms. We have, uh, I think, 15 children. Oh, wow. Between us. Mm-hmm. Um, most of, you know, half of which are now adults and half of which are still, you know, smaller, depending on which partner you're talking about. But, um We've always put ourselves and our partners and our associates in a position where we work to live. We don't live to work. Yeah. And that balance of home life. I couldn't have done this. I couldn't be where I am without the balance of home life and work. Yeah. And being able to shut down at the end of the night and go home and take care of my kids and be a mom and a wife and that type of stuff. So that's what I appreciate is his focus on his family. Yeah. allowed us to continue that focus all these years later. I've been doing this for 22 years. Wow. And and I should mention that's he's the namesake of the firm still, right? So it's right. Drendel and Jansen's, right? Right. And it's Kevin Drendel is mm-hmm. the partner now who's the Drendel, but okay. it was initially his dad. Gotcha. Nice. And so now you are, you know, the named partner as well. Mm-hmm. And, and how did you rise to that ranking. <laughs> Gib, Gib retired. Okay, um, so you, you, became, you filled the shoes. And, yeah, when he mm-hmm. retired, that's when I became a partner, and it was actually kind of funny because um, it was January of 2007, and he had decided he was going to retire, and they called me in for this meeting, and they told me, you know, Gib's going to retire, we're going to make you a partner, and that should be like, you know, this light bulb moment should be wonderful, but literally two weeks before, over the uh, new year, I had found out I was pregnant with my first, and oh my gosh, I hadn't timing. told anybody yet, and I wow. didn't plan to either until they told I'm like, I feel like there's something I should share. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, gosh, so, talk about being a woman and, and having those difficult hurdles. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is. People who, who say that it's, you know, no big deal, that's just not true. Mm-mm. It's a humongous deal. And to, once you become a mom, you're balancing something that is so vastly you know, you could, uh, uncomprehensible. You you couldn't have 
comprehended before mm-hmm. and then the after, I think, of, of once you have children and, and how it affects and shifts your career. Because I think in some ways it makes you stronger because you don't sweat the small stuff as much. I don't know if you would agree, but I think it's you, you start to see the most important parts of, of life. Well, I remember also early in my career not being able to, having a hard time um, shutting down the emotion of that comes along with family law. Trying, yeah. you know, These are your clients' lives, and sometimes they're literally at stake. And hopefully it's mostly their money at stake. Right. But every once in a while you're literally talking about people's lives and children being at stake. And it, it's hard sometimes not to take that home with you mm-hmm. and not to obsess over it and worry about it. But you have to be able to eventually get to the point where you can say, it's not my life. Right. And at the end of the day, once the courts are closed, I can't do anything about this till tomorrow morning anyway. There's nothing right. I can do overnight. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. home. I'm going to have dinner. I'm going to relax. I'm going to put my kids to bed and give them their baths, do whatever. And, and it, took me, it took me a long time to get to that point. And I think yeah. that's some part of the hardest thing is being able to compartmentalize and say, this is what I do during the day, and then this is what I do at night. Yeah. You know, and then trying to be involved in things when you're a mom. Yeah. You know, being involved in the Bar Association and, you know, whatever other civic organizations you might want to be involved in, volunteer opportunities. You know, obviously there's a huge balance going on there. And, you know, hopefully you have a partner with your kids that you can rely on to pick up some of the slack when you're going to board meetings. Yeah. Because things like that. You have to be able to be a good team and a good Mm -hmm. partnership. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes a big difference. Um, But yeah, it sounds like I, I. I'm really glad that you mentioned that about family law and and having to compartmentalize. I think it's a big part of that area of law, especially because we all have families. Mm -hmm. So we can all relate either whether it's that we have kids or we remember our own childhood. It can be, you know, that's why we really try to focus on the best interests of the kids. And yeah, at the end of the day, it, once you've made your argument and you've done all the preparation and done all the work, um, it's a little bit out of your hands. You're right. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, thank you so much for that. I think that's so insightful. Um, I like to end these things kind of with uh, a funny or fun, lighthearted question. So, you know, like say at the end of your career or towards the end, uh, we're, we're going to get a biopic about you and we get some type of film or even a Netflix series about your career here in Kane County and, and just the, the ups and downs of what you've been doing. Who would play you? What what actress? Oh, well, the actress who's going to play me hasn't been born yet because you know it's going to be some beautiful young woman yes. down the road. Yes, one of the who's children of one, one of the famous exactly. ones. Yes, but if I had to pick like a living actress that would play me, I would hope it would be someone like Julianne Moore. <gasps> she would be great, beautiful. Yes, I think she's absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. and I, I would be thrilled if Julianne Moore played me. I used to have hair about her color. Yeah, and the and temperament. Shaded. I could see that. I could yeah. see her really. Oh yeah, she's great. What what else is she in? She's in a couple she's dramas. She's and been in a lot of a lot, lot of movies. Um, probably a little bit older movies. Not yeah. so much lately. But she has because that, she's off raising children. Oh well, yeah, my assumption. But she's got a good personality, and I think yeah. a big personality. I feel like which is great, and I think you have that too. And I mean that in a compliment. <laughs> you know, I mean that as a compliment because I, I do think that it's great to see other women who are out here um, playing on the same field that that I'm playing on, that we are all a part of. And I think that's what's wonderful about the KCBA is that you know there are mentors and role models among us, and I consider you one of them. Oh, so thank you. That's thank 
thank you so much. Yeah, I mean it. I mean, I know that we were opposing counsel uh, on only one case. I, I, I remember, but so I, far, yeah, you know, and I, I'm sure it may come up again. But it, it definitely, <laughs> um, we got the job done. I'll say that, you know, yeah. and and I think as hard as it can be, sometimes um, you have to make your points, but then realize that the person across from you is is not. Um, your adversary, they are your colleague, you know, at the end of the day. And I think that's hard. I think it's easier for us and it's hard for our clients sometimes to yeah. understand that we don't hate each other mm-hmm. and they don't like that sometimes and you have to kind of explain that to them. But I just wanted to tell you real quick, I was talking to one of the judges about this. I think family law is the most interesting area of law when it comes to that type of uh, collegiality and camaraderie. And I think it's different for a very particular reason. In every other area of law, there's a very us versus them mentality. Yeah. When you have your prosecutors and your defenders. And the prosecutors only ever argue one side of the case, and the defendant's attorneys only ever argue one side of a case. Mm-hmm. And even in injury cases, you've got plaintiff's attorneys, and you've got people who represent insurance companies, and you've got creditor's attorneys and debtor's attorney. There's always, there's always this dividing line. That doesn't exist in family law because yeah. I might have a case with you where I'm representing a support payer who is self-employed and I want to make these arguments that reduce his salary so he doesn't have to pay too much maintenance, right? Right. And in the next case, I might have another case with you where now I'm representing the support recipient and I, of course, have a wholly different, you know, uh, plan to try to maximize that. I think family law is the only area of law where that really happens, where you're, mm-hmm. you're, I'm making the same arguments next week that you made this week. Yeah. And, and that doesn't happen in other areas of law, which allows us to be more collaborative in our, at least the way we, um, we teach things, the way we do our seminars and things like that. We all need all the same information. It's not one-sided. We can't, we're not keeping like strategy from each other because we're all going to use the same exact strategies and the same exact arguments. Oh, yeah. You learn from each other. And sometimes I remember things that people have filed against a client of mine, and I think about how they worded an argument, and I want to use it for another one. Right. How can I use this to make my my argument better the next time, especially if it was a successful one? Yes, exactly. (laughs) If it wasn't, maybe file it away somewhere Yeah, when you get knocked down, you get back up again, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming in and giving us your time, and I, I hope to see you at the next KCBA events. All right. Thank you. I'm sure you will. Thanks. All right. Take care.